Davis. Her season's going to end on a double doink. One. Unbelievable. Attention listeners, are you ready to be blown away? You asked for it and they listen. Our friends at Manscaped just relaunched the ultra smooth package. It's back, baby. Your new favorite tool and compliments a lawnmower 4.0 to keep your boys smooth while looking and feeling their best. This specialized groin shaving kit is here to help you buff, protect, and shave your most sensitive areas. It's time to crop that bush of yours and get right to the roots of the discount for you from Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping using code DOINK. The legends who introduced the electric ball hair trimmer are bringing back the razor so you can set so you can be set and trimmed from front to back. Men, you no longer have to bore your lady's razor for that precise trim. Step one, grab your handy-dandy lawnmower 4.0 and give your boys a classic trim to your liking to get the loose hairs out of the way and then take out the Manscaped Ultra Smooth Package to make your package the perfect package this summer. The, crop, the crop exfoliator infused with ingredients that can soothe, clear, and keep the skin on around your groin feeling refreshed. The crop exfoliator can help reduce the risk of ingrown hairs in your delicate places. The crop gel, see what, see where you're shaving with our unique clear shaving gel just for the groin. With four essential oils, it's like a spa treatment every time you shave. And now it's time to shave the crop shaver. Was designed for shaving the groin area with confidence. Three precision blades include extra wide lubricating strips and a pivoting head for the ultimate groin grooming experience. Get 20% off and free shipping. You can go doink at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping. Use the code DOINK at manscaped.com. We also want to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring today's episode. Not everyone is someone they can lean on and talk to. That's where BetterHelp comes in. With BetterHelp, you have access to over 20,000 professional licensed therapists. It's not a crisis time. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own professional licensed therapist. If you ever search for a counselor in the area, you know it can take weeks or even months just to get a phone call back. With BetterHelp, you can start communicating as little as 48 hours. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. You deserve you deserve to prioritize your mental health this year. So get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash double doing podcast. We want to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring today's episode. Today's episode is also sponsored by Coolbet. Coolbet is the most cheering sprint gaming company in the world. Coolbet also provides the best odds in Canada with world-class customer service. For first-time users, use the buzz go doink, D-O-N-K, doink, for a 100% welcome bonus of the $200 when signing up with Coolbet. That's code doink, and Coolbet will match your first deposit up to $200. Give our friends at Coolbet Canada. Follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Coolbet Canada. Coolbet, stay cool and bet responsibly. And welcome back to another episode of the Double Doing Podcast. My name is Brendan Deke. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. It will be greatly appreciated. You can also rate the podcast and review the podcast wherever you do listen to your podcast. It would also be greatly appreciated. We're talking hockey today. We're going to give you a little preview for the Stanley Cup Finals. And to do that, we are joined by a friend of the show. He is a studio host for Hockey Night in Canada on Sportsnet. He's my man, David Amber. David, how are we doing? Running good. How are you? 
I am doing well. Can't complain at all. It is Monday, but I'm feeling good on this Monday morning. We got the Stanley Cup final starting on Wednesday night. It will be the Colorado Avalanche taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning. David, why don't we just start off from the top here? Any, so I want to start with injury update story for both sides, and we'll start on the Colorado side of things. Do you have any updates on Nazim Kadri or Andrew Cogliano's status heading into game one? Uh, I don't. I don't. I was I was off at the East Final um, for the last couple of weeks, so I've been really focused on the Tampa New York series. I only know what I've read, and what I've read is that uh, Kadri, they're hopeful that he'll make an appearance in the Stanley Cup Final. Obviously, that would be a really big, uh, you know, pickup and lift for them because he plays such a pivotal role, can play special teams. He's sort of that glue guy up the middle, uh, and you can work him up and down the lineup. Uh, as well uh, and he's been a force let's face facts he's had a breakout uh, year for him his best career year and I know he's also one of the most competitive guys you'll find in the NHL so you know if Kadri can make it back for the final that'd be huge for for the avalanche okay on the Tampa Bay Lightning side of things so it looks like Braden Point is slowly making his way back do you have an update on his status yeah Brendan I I mean I can't definitively say one way or another whether he's going to make it into the to the series in game one but i do expect to see him at some point during the final and i do expect to see him sooner than later he was very close i can only tell you what john cooper told us and that was that um you know point was closing in on a return he actually told us he expected him to do the pregame skate before game six and it would be a game time decision he didn't take the game time the pregame skate so uh he again didn't make it back but, you know, if you just look at the calendar, it's been four-plus weeks since he had that lower body injury in Game 7 versus Toronto. And, you know, a lot of speculation. We don't know specifically what the injury is, but a lot of speculation. It might be, you know, a, a meniscus, something around the knee, and something that usually takes about four to six weeks to heal. So he's right in that, in that wheelhouse of time. I, I saw him skate three, four different times uh, before, before pregame skates and before morning skates and on off-day skates. And then in the last two game days he he took the morning skate so he's inching closer he's looking a lot better uh and i fully expect him to be back and that obviously is huge right he's the first guy since yari curry in 87 88 to to lead the nhl uh, playoffs the Stanley cup playoffs and in, in goals in back-to-back years so you know he's a pivotal part of their lineup he gives them a ton more depth up the middle and obviously that'll be a huge addition for the lightning Okay, so I want to stick on the Tampa Bay side of things. Like you said, you covered the Eastern Conference Final. The Tampa Bay Lightning have now become the first team to make three straight Stanley Cup Finals um, for the first time since 1987. Uh, David, are are we in dynasty territory here? Can we can we label the Tampa Bay Lightning this version of Lightning as a dynasty? Yeah, they. Um, I, I think we're there, and I think the reason. I mean, listen, if they beat Colorado. It's not even a question in my mind. They are a dynasty. Three championships in the salary cap era, doing what they've been able to do, losing the players that they've lost and still being able to rebound and, and get things done in, in an incredibly competitive, you know, parity-driven league. To me, it's a dynasty. You could even argue, you know, if you want, you have enough facts there to argue that they're already a dynasty. 11 straight playoff series uh, wins is the third most all-time uh, knowing the road that they've had to take. I mean, just look at the road they've taken just this playoff year, right? They knock off the Maple Leafs on the road. Um, you know, the Leafs finishing with their rec- franchise record in wins and, and finish, I believe, fourth in the regular season in points. Then they are on the road to start against Florida. They sweep them. 
the, the president trophy winning Florida Panthers. They allowed the highest scoring team in the NHL to score all of three goals in a four game series. Then they go up against New York once again as the road team. So three straight series as the road team. And, you know, they fall behind two nothing that series and then just completely shut down and almost shut out the Rangers. The Rangers held to just five goals in the last four games. I mean, it's been a pretty Im- impressive path. And now if they can go in against the West winners, the Stanley Cup favorites from season start to, to, to now, the Colorado Avalanche, a stock team that swept two series, they can somehow go in and beat the Avalanche in this series. My God, I mean, even if they can go six, seven games and lose, I think you could at least make the argument this is pretty damn close to a dynasty for sure. Okay, I want to stick uh, again with the Lightning here. And I think Julian Brisebois doesn't get enough love or enough credit for kind of the job that he's done. Do you agree with that statement? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 100%. It's almost like we take for granted. Uh, listen, how many teams could survive losing their third line? And it's not just your average third and like these guys played up and down the lineup. They're a checking line. They had timely goal scoring. They changed the tempo of a game, a flow of a game. Um, you know, when you talk about Yanni Gord, Barkley Goodrow, Blake Coleman, think about the impact that line had last year on their Stanley Cup run. You lose not one, not two, but all three of those guys. And if you're Julian Breezeball, what do you do? You go out there and you identify the needs and you go out and you find the guys that'll fit in, like these puzzle pieces, the Corey Perrys, the, you know, Pierre Edouard, uh, Belmars. Um, you go in at the trade deadline, you had Nick Paul, uh, you know, you go and get Brendan Hagel. I mean, you're making smart pickups, pickups that fill voids and, and guys just seem to seamlessly fit in. I interviewed Nick Paul after they won the East final. And, um, you know, I basically asked him about how he fit in so well. He only joined the team March 21st. And he just said, you come here and you see the work ethic that their top players have and the winning culture, and you want to be part of that, and you just seamlessly fit in. And, you know, Julian Breesbaugh deserves a ton of credit, and he's also had a lot of patience, you know. Like, you could have blown things up after 2019. They were swept by Columbus. They had just set, you know, they had the fourth-best record in NHL history. You know, Kucherov was going off, and, you know, he could have blown things up. He could have just said, I can't win with this group. Instead, he said, let's run it back again. We'll add a few little parts. And we just got to stay the course. And he trusted his coach and John Cooper. He trusted his players. And what do you know? We're now talking back-to-back championships and possibly a third. So Brisbane deserves a lot of credit for the moves he made and the moves he didn't make. So Andre Vasilevsky, I, I I can't remember kind of a playoff run, kind of like at this at the standard here. I, I was thinking back, mm. maybe like yourself a lock on that one crazy run that he had. Yeah with the Habs back then like if you take away game one against the New York Rangers he's he's basically been unbeatable here um is this like an all-time performance from Vasilevsky yeah he set such a high bar it's not even as as prolific as his last two runs as far as goals against the save percentage but you look at how much confidence he gives the team you look at the timely saves he makes and he shuts the door. And you're absolutely right. I mean, the whole team was off in game one versus New York. They gave up six goals. They just they didn't have their legs under them. The layoff hurt them. They, they admitted that later on in the series. It took them about a game and a half to get their legs sorted out and to get their game plan sorted out. And then Vasilevsky became Vasilevsky. And, you know, he, he's incredible, right? They've, they've won. They're, they're 12 and 5 in the playoffs. And in eight of those games, he's allowed one or fewer goals. I mean, he's not asking them to go out and score four and five goals to win a game, right? This isn't, you know, Edmonton Oiler hockey or even Colorado Avalanche who get into these kind of six-five shootouts. He's, he's, you know, played such a steady game against, 
you know, some very good offensive teams. And this is going to be his biggest challenge yet. But, you know, I really do think you can enter his name into the all-time goaltender list. I think, you know, when you talk about the Hashiks, the Brodeurs, the Waz, et cetera, you know, his name should be right there, um, knowing how consistent he's been and how good he's been and how durable, right? He's played every single minute of the last three playoffs. I think it's 60-something starts in the last 22 months. I mean, no goalie's ever done that, right? Because we had the bubble situation and then like six months later, we were back at it. You know, he's doing something we've never seen before. It's unprecedented. And the fact that Brian Elliott's there and he's certainly a, a safety valve and a serviceable backup goalie, but the fact that he's basically had to just open and shut doors for this entire playoff series, not once having to come in, you know, speaks volumes to how amazing Vasilevsky's been and continues to be. Okay, on the Colorado side of things here, um, Darcy Kemper has been great. He's, he's kind of carried this team to the finals. Um, or Sorry, not Darcy Kemper. Sorry, he's now healthy. He's ready to go back and get a great season. Um, should they ride with him, or do they keep it with the hot hand? Well, you know, I, I think they're going to go back to Darcy Kemper. Francois was was very uh, – I mean, look, he's perfect. I think he's, what, 6-0 and or something on this playoff run. Um, but I think, you know, you, you kind of dance with the one who, who brung you. And I think, you know, Kemper, as you said, had a really solid year. Uh, they went out, they made sure that to get Kemper as their goalie, they got him. I, I think they got him specifically for this moment. Um, I think there's a great level of trust in him. And if he's healthy and he says he's healthy, then I imagine he's the game one starter. And you have the comfort if you're Jared Bednar and the rest of the coaching staff and Joe Saki of the comfort of knowing if he gets hurt or if he sl- slips, we do have Pavel Francouz, who's been more than serviceable um, and who they trust as well. So I think they, they're in a good position. But, you know, if you're going to ask me where there's maybe one discernible advantage for one team or the other in this final, it has to be in net. And that goes to Tampa Bay, right? You have a Conn Smythe winner and a perennial Vesna finalist and an all-star in Vasilevsky versus two guys who are good and trustworthy, um, but they're not superstars. And that's going to be, to me, a a possible difference maker in this series. Uh, Can Colorado, you know, get the lead and play with the lead and play at the tempo they want to play at? If Tampa goes out and scores the first goal, we see how well they can shut down other teams. We see what that Sorelli-Hagel-Kalorn line can do against the other team's top players. And it could give the McKinnons and the Rantanins and the Landis Cogs fits uh, and slow down the game and just that low cycle and this grind you out. Uh, I think scoring first in this series is going to be key. And I think goaltending obviously is going to be key. And, you know, that's something where the whole tempo of the game, it's going to look very different than the last series that, um, that uh, Colorado played against Edmonton, where it was just up and down the ice trading chances and going up against, you know, Mike Smith and, and with all due respect, I mean, look who Colorado's played so far. They got the backup, David Riddick and Connor Ingram in Nashville. They didn't have to face Saros. They didn't have to face Bennington, except for, I think, one game uh, in the Colorado series uh, versus St. Louis. And so they got Billy uh, Huso there. So it's just been, it's been sort of a lucky draw for them. And now they're about to face the best goal in the world. So I'm really interested to see what happens there. Okay, let's zoom out a little bit, David, here and kind of just take a look at the big picture with the lightning and the avalanche, what can other GMs or other teams learn from how the Colorado avalanche and the Tampa lightning built their rosters this year? 
Uh, that's a great question. I mean, there's been stability in both those franchises, and Joe Sackick deserves a lot of credit. I mean, Jared Bednar, let's remember, in 2017, Colorado was you know, the worst team in the league. They finished dead last. They had 48 points. And generally, when that happens, you know, you have a house cleaning. They didn't fire Jared Bednar. They took a very sort of measured, calm approach to rebuilding this franchise. They knew they had some great pieces in place with McKinnon and, and Landis Cog, et cetera. And they built around those guys and they did it methodically and they kept Bednar in place. And you're looking at two franchises that have, you know, two of the longest uh, tenured coaches in the league and there's been stability there. And I think if I'm building a franchise, I'm looking for stability. I'm looking uh, to build both through the draft, through trades, through free agency. And both these GMs have done that. And it's worked out incredibly well. And yes, they both have great players, but, you know, it takes more than great players we've seen to win a championship. You have to have that winning culture and you have to have sort of a group of guys uh, with strong messaging and strong structure and strong discipline from the coaching staff from the management group. And it, and it drains down into the player group. And, you know, especially when I look at Brisbane, when you add those certain key guys, when you go out and you add Zach Bogosian again, after losing him after the first cup and you go out and you, you know, you, you added David Savard last year uh, after the first cup. I mean, there's just a lot of guys they've added that aren't sexy pickups, but they were the smart, right pickups. And uh, I say kudos to both these teams. And I think Lekin and Cogliano, two, two great pickups for Colorado this year at the trade deadline. So um, these guys deserve a lot of credit. They pulled the right strings. And, you know, I was on Jeff Merrick's show earlier, and I was, you know, he was putting it out as, you know, this is a, uh, a heavyweight matchup in the Stanley Cup final. I think that's a great way to look at it. There isn't this dark horse or this long shot. These are two superstar teams going head to head and it makes for real compelling theater. Okay, David, let's talk about my hometown team. Um, I've got to talk about the Sean Maple Leafs. And it was, like you said, it was heartbreak. I know it was a while. I think Leafs fans are slowly getting over. I know it's been 50 plus years of heartbreak, so we're kind of used to it at this point. But um, what should the Leafs do this offseason, David? Is there, is there a specific plan that you think they should put in place or specific players you think they should kind of attack, what would you do if you were running the show in Toronto? Well, there's a lot of questions there, Brendan. I mean, I think first and foremost, they got to figure out what's going on with Jack Campbell. You have to start in that. You know, you look at that division and you look at the goalies in that division, starting with Vasilevsky. When Boston had success, it was Tuka Rask. When Montreal had success, it was with Carey Price. You know, you need to have a star goalie uh, to win, uh, certainly to have a chance. And one, do they look at Jack Campbell as that guy? And two, if they do, uh, you know, what, what price point can you get him? And if the price point hopefully is the right price point, you can get him back in the lineup and you still can find a way to, to have some additions. You're going to lose some players. It's just how it works in the salary cap era, the McKayevs, et cetera. Um, I think they've got to watch Tampa. They've got to watch Colorado. They've got to watch some of the teams that have had success and try and maybe emulate some of what they've done. I mean, let's face facts. Uh, you know, Kyle Dubas has had some real home runs, right? Getting bunting at, at, you know, a very low number was fantastic. Getting Jason Spets at a very low number was fantastic. You know, re-signing Mark Giordano for whatever the league minimum, close to the league minimum for another year. I mean, that these are good pickups. These are solid, smart pickups, which allows you to have some of the $11 million players that the Leafs have. Now it's incumbent to, you know, go out and pick the right guys, guys who are motivated, guys who you can trust, guys who can play 
a different type of brand of hockey, whether it's physical in the trenches hockey or, you know, if they have to play on the periphery a little bit more at times and, and have the skill set, you want that uh, duality in a player you're going to add. You know, like Corey Perry can dance you, but he's generally also just going to get in your crease and get in your, you know, in your goalie's face and, and become a thorn in the side. And he's off to the Stanley Cup final for the third straight year on a third different team. So different teams have identified, yeah, we need a guy like Corey Perry to go out and get him and he helps lead them to the final. So it's incumbent on, on Kyle Dubas and the staff in, in Toronto to, you know, they've got a great nucleus. They've got to build around that nucleus. And I wonder, and I'm not sure, but I do wonder if this is the year that they do try and mix up that nucleus. When you look at the core four, um, and everyone says Nylander would be the, the guy, potentially, that you would move. Um, you know, do you do that? Do you sort of just say we do need to just change the feel of this core group and we need do need to do something? Or are you going to sort of, as I was just preaching a minute ago, you know, show patience, show a level of trust? You know, Tampa Bay had a very disappointing 2019 swept by Columbus after winning the President's Trophy, and they didn't blow it up. You know, there was all these rumors they were going to do a bunch of things, and they didn't do them. Mm-hmm. So do the Leafs want to run this back uh, one more time with a few little tweaks and say, we do feel we're right there? I mean, they did take this Tampa team to seven games, you know, but through the lens of, of a Leaf, you know, Leaf nation, they're going to say, well, yeah, we took them to seven games, but we had the 3-2 series lead. We had the 3-2 lead going into game six into the third period. Um, you know, it's hard to view it as, oh, they, they scraped and clawed and almost beat Tampa. You know, a lot of Leaf Nation are sort of sick of that narrative, and they're like, we should have beaten Tampa. We should be in the Stanley Cup final right now. So uh, I'm interested to see what the Leafs do. I, I definitely think they need to identify some guys who want to be here and can do some different things, maybe with some guys with some some Stanley Cup pedigree and experience, and um, and hope for the best. I know that sounds like a crazy game plan, but there's not a ton you could do in the salary cap era you know, knowing where the Leafs' salaries are. So I'm interested to see what they can do, but I, I think they definitely need to, to make a point of getting the more discount guys in there, the Michael Buntings, the Giordanos, and you add a couple of guys like that that you could trust, and maybe you make one splash move in your core group and, and see if that's the right recipe for success come playoff time. I feel like if Dubas was going to make a big move, it would have been last offseason when the collapse against Montreal. I feel mm-hmm. like after this year, it's kind of like we'll try to run him back one more time. I think this year maybe it gave him a little bit more leeway with this core. And uh, I was thinking about it today. Nazim Kadri, he would have looked pretty darn good in the Leafs uniform this year. That's, that's damn for sure. Um, but, uh, okay, Dave, let's get you off on this one here. It's prediction time. The According to Cool Bet, the odds right now, the Colorado Avalanche are slotted at minus 182 favorites. So they are heavy favorites to win this series and get the Lightning at plus 147 at Coolbet if you want to make a wager on that. David, give me your prediction. How many games is the series going and who's lifting big old Stanley Cup at the end? Well, it's so tough. Uh, it's almost a pick on uh, As far as betting odds are concerned, you know, I think those are pretty heavy odds for Colorado, and I understand why. You know, they've swept two series. They've looked so dynamic. They can beat you so many ways. They have so many good players. They have home ice advantage. I get all that. Um, but you know what? I've just seen I've seen too much of Tampa over the last three years to discount them. Um, you know, their track record speaks volumes. They're not afraid to go on the road and, and you know, take care of business when they have to. We saw that in Game 7 versus Toronto. And, you know, they swept the two games in, in 
uh, Florida. They won a pivotal game five in New York. So uh, this is a team that can win on the road. This is a team that I'm pretty confident is going to get Braden Point back very early in the series, possibly game one. Um, you know, so from a betting standpoint, I'm not dying at 182, uh, minus 182 for the Avalanche. I'd probably be leaning more towards Tampa. Mm-hmm. Having said all of that, you know, um, man, it, you're putting me in a tough spot here. It's, it's so I'm here, David, I'm here to do, put you in a tough spot. Oh, well, mission accomplished, Brandon. I, listen, I'll, I'm, I'm going to just, maybe it's, uh, the fact that I just sat and watched this team, you know, dismantle the Rangers so effectively in the last four games. I am going to, I'm going to say Tampa. I say it with a bit of hesitation though, because uh, this Colorado team is, is exceptional, but I'll say Tampa. I'm going to say Tampa in six. Um, but listen, it won't surprise me if it's Colorado in seven. <laughs> I'm hedging my bets. Let's put it that way. But I could see Tampa splitting the first two uh, after this long layoff for Colorado uh, and, and then maybe getting up in the series at home. And, and uh, I'm going to say I'm going to say Tampa in six, but I say it with, uh, you know, not a ton of confidence. It's funny. Like I was uh, this year, like the entire NHL season in the playoff run. There hasn't been a guy that not in a Toronto Maple Leafs uniform that I've been more excited and just been more pleasure to watch than Kale McCarr. Like to just the what he's been able to do for that hockey team. And just <laughs> in my entire life, the Leafs have never had a puck movement just like solid defenseman like that. It's like if you could put one yeah. guy on like in the NHL on the Leafs uniform, I think I would pick Kale McCarr. Just I, I, I think you're right. Like it's hard to bet against Tampa. Like the, again, we're like we brought up earlier. They're going into the their third straight Cup Finals. Like it's this team is this team has been on a, just a crazy run. But I don't know. I I feel like Colorado is just they're. I feel like they might just maybe a little step above every other team in the league this year. I just feel like it's almost like kind of a destiny year for them, if that makes sense. Um, but again, you, you said at Tampa, it's hard to bet against them as well. David Amber, is there anything else you want to? Is there anything sorry you want to plug in before we get out of here? No, I mean, we appreciate everyone tuning in. We've had really great numbers watching our coverage on Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada throughout the postseason. And, you know, sometimes we have to use a little bit of hyperbole and build things up and try and sell, you know, our viewers a game, a matchup. This is not the case. I mean, we're seeing two of the best teams. Uh, You know, if you're a pure hockey fan, this is a matchup you'd probably want to see, uh, you know, whether you like these teams or dislike these teams, it's, it's irrelevant. Just from a straight hockey perspective, Kale McCarr is a generational talent. Nathan McKinnon, you know, his pursuit of his first Stanley Cup. I was there in 2001. The last time I was actually in Denver was 2001. And it's when Ray Bork got his Stanley Cup. And, you know, it's a little bit different circumstance, clearly. But the idea of Nathan McKinnon getting the opportunity to win his first Cup is, is very cool to me. Uh, and then Tampa really trying to solidify, you know, their position as a true dynasty. So I think it's a great matchup. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. And we're excited to bring it to you. And uh, I'm excited to be jumping on a plane tomorrow to get out to Denver to get going. David, all the best. Um, continue the great coverage. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks again for doing this. Brendan, thanks so much for having me.